Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. I am Warren Munson, the host of the podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders and experts from a variety of sectors are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. In line with Evolve's principles, we also look at the importance of personal development, accountability and collaborative support in the pursuit of meaningful success. Through the insights of our guests, as well as my own business journey, the aim is to inspire you, the listener, to become better in life and in business. Welcome to this week's episode. My guest is Nikki Rudd, founder and managing director of Padu Communications. Nikki set up Padu in the midst of the 2008 recession. I'm intrigued and wanted Nikki on the podcast because she had an unusual path into entrepreneurship. She's been a journalist from the BBC, a teacher, and was almost the voice of the talking clock. She's therefore got a unique outlook on work and life and a great sense of humour too. So in today's podcast, Nikki reveals her strategy for separating work life from home life. Be in the moment. So if you're working with your partner, you're working with them. But if you're not, as a family, you are being family. And, you know, you're not head in one place, but body in another kind of thing helps to simplify questions around PR and communications, which is sometimes a minefield for small business owners. If you're not saying we're good at this, which means this for you and it solves this pain point, you could be shouting the loudest message from the top of the rooftops and and actually it just wouldn't resonate. And how her husband is her gauge of when it's come to time to take a break. He's very, very beneficial to not just kind of our whole setup, but actually me making sure I take care of myself. If you want to know more about Evolve and the services that we offer, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. You can also sign up there for our weekly insights and newsletter by joining our community for free. So please do take a look at evolvemembers.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. Hello, Nikki, and welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Yeah, hello. Nice to be here. Yeah, always great to have you as a guest. And uh, in doing the research uh, for this conversation, I understand that your path to the world of PR and all things communications actually started when you were a teacher. So tell our listeners all about that. Well, so when I came out of university uh, with an English and French literature degree, uh, it was the Thatcher recession. So there weren't that many jobs around and I thought I need a trade. So I had always helped my mum, because my mum was a teacher, do lots of things for her class and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, actually, I really love reading. I really love books. I'll go and, you know, train to be a teacher get a job but I knew and never wanted to do it forever okay. and uh, so I ended up managed to get a job um, and then basically I was into my second year of teaching and somebody said you should go for second in department and start the kind of okay, that whole career, career progression yeah. yeah and I thought I can't do that because I'm I just this ain't me uh, yeah this and also I was it, the plan was never to do that and I knew if I did it I'd end up staying in teaching and then I'd end up resenting it and I yeah. just probably wouldn't be the best teacher I should be and I think teaching is more of a vacation than, um, you know, a career path, if you like. So I kind of thought, what else did I want to do? And I don't quite know how the uh, commas bit came out of it. But what did happen was I ended up talking to a uh, boy who was in my sixth form tutor group the year before. And he said, God, I can't believe I'm going to leave school. And I said, I can't believe I'm going to be leaving as well. And he went, oh, my God, Miss Rudd, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, oh, well, I'm thinking of getting into, you know, sort of PR or advertising. Or And he said, you should speak to my dad. And I said, oh, OK, thinking, crikey. And his dad ended up being uh, quite a bigwig in the advertising world um, and basically worked for McCann Erickson. It was just like, boom. So he... Serendipity strikes. Serendipity, the first time in, like, many, many, many times yeah. of my life happens. So I went along, having only met this man at parents' evenings. <laughs> and uh, he went through, and he was really, really helpful. He sort of did the, are you words or are you pictures? And yeah. uh, told me, arranged for me to meet the head of PR, um, who'd been the lady responsible for the Mash Get Smash campaign. Uh-huh. And she told me all about that. And then he helped me basically put my CV together. And um, then I did the, okay, I'm going to just blag my way in and go and work for free. in the summer holidays of being, you know, sort of, finishing okay. teaching yeah. because of the way that teachers are paid and I had that oh my god I've got a six-week window 
to try and get some experience and see if I like this and see if yeah. I'm any good at it and see if I can get anywhere with it. And I managed to, again, completely serendipity, I ended up getting a replacement for the summer at what turned out to be the third largest PR consultancy, which was the one that was nearest to my house. <laughs> but I managed to go in and say, look, I'll work for free for a couple of weeks. And I ended yeah. up being there eight. And then they were trying to get me onto the graduate scheme. But I got to the stage where I was like, I've got rent to pay. I've got to get a job. Um, but because I had that on my CV, it meant that actually when I went and spoke to recruiters, they were like, wow, my God, you've got the director of this, you know, sort of consultancy that is going to be your referee. And so I ended up working in and getting a, a job in, in tech PR. And that, yeah. But that's how that sort of, you know, sort of, yeah, all unfolded. That all kind of unfolded. <laughs> and yeah. And do you, do you look back at that now? And just, is it one of the, I suppose it is one of those you join the dots up in hindsight and yeah. wonder where you, you know, how that led. And do you ever yearn that perhaps staying in teaching could have been a thing for you? I, do you know, I love... I love what I do now and I loved I did actually really love teaching I love working with young people but I kind of think it has um, informed uh, how we do a lot of our work so we do a lot of hand-holding with our clients you know they're going we've got a kind of I suppose a bit of a speciality of working with clients who are going through a period of change yeah. and who are uncertain of what steps or how they might go about something and I think one of the reasons why they like working with us is we don't just blind them with science if you like we sort yeah. of do the look we'll explain it we'll we'll teach you about what you actually need to do. We'll teach you how the back end of this website works. Or we'll teach you what you should be thinking about mm. for this kind of thing. And I think that comes from the teaching element of it. And oh, we've okay. also done quite a lot of work as well with taking content and putting it onto learning management systems. And again, okay. once you've trained as a teacher, yeah. you know that actually the worst thing you can do is just stand and talk at people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's much better to think about, you know, is there a quiz in this or how can I get a group to work together? Okay. So... Yeah, a lot of the sort of facilitating of workshops and things like Skills. that that we do, yeah. yeah, I think has come straight from that teaching experience of kind of what's worked and what hasn't. And I've seen you do, you do a monthly free event, don't you, which is educating, teaching, yeah, growing kind of knowledge within business owners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we run a monthly session called Link and Learn. It was going to be face to face, but then obviously the pandemic hit, okay. so we moved it online. <laughs> but actually, we moved it online. We didn't do it straight away because everything was obviously so crazy. But um, yeah, we've had some really, really lovely feedback from it. And what we do is it's free. It's only a small sort of number. So we never have more than about 16 people. Okay. Um, it's an hour. Um, and basically we do a kind of a bit of linking, a bit of networking and then a learning and we take a topic okay. and either we deliver it or we get somebody within our network to yeah. deliver sort of 10, 15 minutes. But it's also a way that anybody can come and ask any query they've got on comms, PR marketing and they get some free advice. So, yeah, if you're if you haven't been there and you've got a question, go on the website and have a look Brilliant. for it. Yeah. Well, have a quick plug of the website. Quick plug of the website is paduacommunications.com. There you are. Da -da. So if you want to go find out about the event, there it is. Um, but going back to your own story and journey, so you then went and worked for some corporates, went and worked for the BBC for a while. Yeah, I, so well, I, I lucked out, really. I worked um, in technology PR. I kind of fell into that, and I am a bit of a geek. I mean, <laughs> when I was at school, they didn't really teach anything about computers. No. There was no internet. When well, I first when started I was working... When at school, there was one sort of BBC computer <laughs> in the it, corner. Green screen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so well, basically, I kind of landed in this um, technology PR role the first time I had a computer, I had a classic Mac, right. and it was kind of like all excited. I had to learn how to use email and everything else. But actually, the first account I started working with was Adobe. So that just sort of thrown into kind of, a, you know, sort of, and we had AOL as a client, I think, at the time. And so there was just that kind of world of technology yeah. and things moving, really exciting. Um, and, you know, sort of even from working with magazines, it was very different because you'd have a client that had a product and then within three years, it was kind of, a, okay, we've managed to make this so that it works for a huge amount of audiences because technology became the mainstay of how business yeah. works, how, you know, sort of life works. And so, yeah, it was really, really exciting. So I ended up doing that, but um, working at that agency. And then that agency had a bit of a divorce between the owners. Okay. And I was asked by one of the owners to go with him and set up an agency in Oxfordshire. And that's what I did. So I set that agency up and that was just crazy, crazy time because okay. all but one client came with us. So we were on kind of much smaller team, yeah. getting all the systems set up and everything else. But so we did that and I eventually ended up working my way up to being managing director of that agency. Okay. So while I did that, we had exceptional client retention. So we worked with the likes of 
Nikon and um, technology company, Wacom, they do graphics tablets. But we were doing kind of the next iteration because we worked with them for so long. I mean, you know, sort of 12, 13 yeah. years on retainer, it was just bonkers. Um, and so I just thought, well, I'm dealing with the same journalists, I'm dealing with the same clients, I'm doing the same work, and that's great. And it was all brilliant, I loved it. But I just thought I'm going to get stale, I need to learn some new stuff. And at that time, a lot of the PR work that we were doing was just trade publications. Yeah. And I thought, I want to learn a bit about broadcast. So I took a pay cut. This was before I was made MD. But uh, I was gonna, took a pay cut, reduced my hours. And I went and worked for the Media Trust in London and did some TV production for the BBC. Okay. Um, and that was all crazy bonkers as well. But actually, really enjoyable. But I did think, yes, maybe radio is a bit more for me because... TV was just, let's organise some stuff. You give a PR person something to organise and they will do it. Yeah. But they want to do it once and they want to do it well. <laughs> and actually, <laughs> the way that this was working, I was doing it once, doing it well, and then going back in and on the Friday they'd say, well, actually, yeah, we just need a different location. And actually, we've decided the story angle's right. changed. And, and so I did it for a little bit, but it wasn't really giving me that much satisfaction. So I thought, well, I'll do, I'll go and do some radio production. I'll yeah. go and see the other side of media. So I ended up, my nearest uh, radio station was BBC um, Radio Northampton so I went and said to them look can I come and do some work experience and just yeah. sort of see and uh, they said no you can't because we have to do two weeks in one go and I said well I can't do that I've got a job you know yeah. and I, I'll tell you what I'll do I'll do two weeks but I'll do it over time and I'll do it two days yeah. a week and by the end of that time I was producing their afternoon show so um, I was doing free work in the morning and then producing an afternoon show and I just hung around the station right. and volunteered for stuff and then the show that I was doing, the kind of production stuff in the morning, um, one of the presenters, who was lovely, but he was very, very, very disorganised. And um, I said to him, you know, this person's phoned in and they've been to the... And he said, hang on a second. And the next thing I knew, the red light was on. And he <laughs> said, yeah, okay, fine, that was it. So I was on air presenting and that became a regular thing. So I ended up kind of, yeah, just being thrown in the deep end and, yeah. and that was it. So yeah, did that for a little bit as well. <laughs> and is that... You know, if somebody wants to progress in life, is that a recommendation that you throw out there? Is just, I mean, because you've done that, you know, clearly in that short yeah. kind of story of your life is you've done that time and time and time again. Is yeah. you just put yourself in the right place, right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I by think volunteering and just put yourself forward. I think volunteering and I think um, getting some experience. It's good because you get to know whether you like doing the thing yeah. that you want to do. Um, but also, I think, particularly for some, a job in media at the moment, you know, it's so competitive. Mm. Actually, when you come in for an interview, you don't really give monkeys about what degree or anything, as long as they've got, you know, sort of good you can spell a, spelling and grammar and all the rest of it. Actually, it's more about the people and, yeah. you know, sort of, okay, what's your aptitude like? What experience, what interests have you got? How have you shown your passion for this? Mm. Because then you've got something to talk about in an interview. Otherwise, yes. it's very, very dead. And, and in certain jobs, that might be fine. But if you want a job in media and comms, yeah. actually, I'd say, yeah, just go and get some experience and, and be able to talk around it. Fantastic. Yeah. And so you ended up being MD. Yes. And we'll talk about your own business in yeah. a moment. But I've got to ask that question. How do you find that comparison between you know, being your own business owner yeah. and leader and being the MD for somebody else? Yeah. Actually, I don't know if you've ever asked me that. It's actually a really good question because I think um, what I've got now is I've the control. Obviously, I run the business yeah. with my husband and my business partner, but actually, it's it's me that's the managing director. Yeah. So actually, <laughs> all the big decisions come to me. No, that's not true. Um, when I was managing director for another agency, I don't think I was given the complete control. So okay. actually, I'd have to go and make an argument for, you know, I want to put um, some of the staff on training courses. Mm. And actually, you know, I wasn't just allowed the green light of doing things. It was kind of still a, no, we're going to keep the brakes on this. Yeah. And and I think, to be fair, that is one of the reasons why I ended up leaving. Okay. Because I felt like I was given the job in name but not really given yeah. the job in in kind of full um and yeah that is a kind of a looking back and realizing that once you have run your own business yeah. i think you kind of think oh actually yeah i can see how i had those skills but i was never really given the you know you just go and do it you weren't empowered as such you were no. delegated to yeah that yeah, yeah empowerment possibly yeah and it's a tips to anybody that's perhaps more in the position of you and i who's a business leader thinking actually my next step is to step out and appoint an MD or bring an MD through. 
And he tips that now. Now you've seen both sides of the coin to sort of close yeah. that loop. Do you know? You yeah, say? I would say have a think about what you really want to give up, mm-hmm. um, because I don't think it's fair to bring somebody into a role without giving them the full picture. Yeah. Um, or at least if you say to somebody, "I'm going to give you this much control over this, but it's not going to be completely because I still want to be involved mm-hmm. in this sort of way up front." I think you would, you know, deal with a lot less politics yeah. and issues, um, and also I think maybe getting the processes right so that actually you know you you can hand it cleanly over and mm. you've really thought about it before you've passed it over so that yeah. that person doesn't have to keep coming back to you to asking because they will have a different way of going about business they'll think about it differently Absolutely. you'll have brought them in for that different point of view yeah. um but you can't then just hamper and kind of no. stand on their ideas. And I think, so I think actually doing some work up front and packaging it yeah. and really thinking about the bits that you want to keep and you still want to do and how you feel about, you know, sort of giving it mm. away is probably key. And so how did the business, so the business came about as you left that role and it was just a case of... No, God, no. <laughs> so I left that role and I worked at another agency and that was a little bit like going back in time. So social media at that point was just kind of kicking yeah. off. <laughs> And uh, yeah, the, the the last agent, one of the last agencies that I worked at, they just were very, very kind of, we own this data and we're mm. keeping control. And I learned at that point as well that I didn't like being micromanaged, which okay. I didn't really know was <laughs> a thing, but um, it was. Um, and so, yeah, it, I just, we weren't, I wasn't really, really that happy there. And I was sort of thinking about what I was going to be doing. Mm. But obviously we were not the Thatcher recession, we were the last recession. So um, it was kind of like, a, how well, how am I going to do? What do I want to do? Do I want to go and work for mm. a big agency? Do I want to work for kind of a smaller boutique one? Do I want to set up on my own? All of those sort of things. And eventually I just sort of thought, well, I'll maybe just sort of go out and, and be a freelancer and okay. try and do sort yeah. of some freelance gigs. And I tried well I didn't try to do that I basically started doing that and decided to start the business at the same time okay. having been made redundant at the last role which I merrily skipped at the building because I was about <laughs> yeah, to leave anyway um but yeah so that was that it was kind of like a okay well, that's happened and then um you know sort of the I Padua just came I mean it, yeah. very very quickly we'd owned the domain name for eight years I'd never really thought about working for myself okay. apart from that kind of maybe I'll be self-employed for a little bit and just yeah. sort of see. And then very quickly it was like, actually, no, I don't want that. What I want is I want to create an agency, but we're a very different agency from others because we don't have a team of people in one office. We've yeah. never, ever had that. And that was because of the experience I'd had because um, I don't know many people who have had the experience of working as a journalist in broadcast, yeah. in PR, in teaching, as a, with a kind of an undercurrent of communications yeah. running through it um so uh, what I thought was well we'll grow the agency but we'll grow with me being the kind of head and then we'll make little me's out of other people taking those skills okay. um and we'll look at who's in my network and yeah. who's in Jason's network as well now but um because an awful lot at the time because um social media had come on board and because online was then very well established a lot of the editorial teams had just been culled because they didn't need that many staff. Okay. Um, publishing was taking a real hit as yep. things moved online. And so we had a lot of contacts that we were kind of like, actually, do you want to come and do some stuff for us or can you help us do some writing? Okay. With me doing all the kind of project management and client yep. liaison. The account management piece. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. The account management stuff, the ideas stuff, but actually just that kind of... And I knew those people that I was working with because I'd known them for years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how we sort of came came about. And you still have that model, do you? Still have that model, yeah. Freelancers, effectively. Yeah, but they're not just because I've done freelancing. You know, I, when I was first setting it up, mm-hmm. I went and worked for um, Edelman for a big, big PR agency, and I arrived at nine in the morning. At ten o'clock, I was in a meeting with a client. Yeah. They literally had no idea about my background. You know more about me <laughs> in, in, a, in a fifteen minute conversation, in a 15 minute conversation <laughs> than they actually ever asked. And um, yeah, I just. We don't have that. We don't just bring in anybody that we we don't yeah. know. You know, sort of um, the person who's just started, the most recent person who started working with us, um, had worked with me at the agency where I was managing director okay. from, you know, sort of, um, in fact, I interviewed her for her first job and trained her in PR. Wow. So it's it's that kind of, you know, sort of... I, it's it's network-based, yeah, relationship-based. Yeah, and... it's weird to say freelancers. So I don't think of them as freelancers. I think of them as the Padua team. Yeah. And we know them and... 
But we've also been very successful with that model in the fact that over the years, you know, we've had people that we've known who have become parents, for example, and don't want to go back and work in sort of set hours, are fantastic at writing or fantastic at ideas or design, um, and just wanted flexible working hours. And we were kind of like, yeah, absolutely. We will never set a meeting up that starts at half two because we know you've got to do the, you know, the pickup and... So we, there's been a, a lot of kind of give and take, I would say. It is more of a team rather than yeah. just us and them, I think. And if, with your, I mean, it's probably really relevant to post-pandemic world, isn't it? With all, with all of you working kind of more remotely and by the sounds of it, always have done yeah. uh, to bring the right people together, how do you get embrace that team spirit? How do you get that kind of communication going between you all and and actively managing projects because you've been doing it for a number of years yeah might be some great tips and advice there I was going to say yeah because actually quite a lot of our team have also been doing it with me for many years as well um I suppose the best example of this is when I went off on maternity leave and I actually did bring everybody together okay all the people who were working with us at that point and the best feedback I had from it was people saying oh my god I've never met this person but I feel like I've known them for mm. a million years I think I must have a I'm going to pick up the it's the right sort of skills and aptitude okay. to make a good team even though they're not in the same space yeah. and I, I don't know how that has come about I'm just incredibly blessed that it, it has um, but yeah that I think that's that understanding the skills that those people that work with you have understanding what makes them happy and what's going to make the tick Mm. yeah so for example i wouldn't necessarily give one of our team a client work if i thought actually they're not going to agree with kind of that or they're not you know they're not going to agree with the principles of that business it's just that's just not who they are um so matching the personality of who works on that team is as important as the skill set so business gets going gets rolling and then jason your husband comes on board how did that come about yeah, so um, our plan was always to set the business up and um, for it to grow enough that he could leave his job in journalism if right. we had a family so that we could do 50-50 childcare. It was really, oh, okay. really important to us. That was a family value. It was, a fa- it was an absolute, yeah, we are. Right? In fact, I heard uh, my little girl say to um, a friend of mine at the weekend, oh, no, I work for Padua Communications. I'm Art Monkey. And she has got a badge <laughs> that says Art Monkey to say it's spelled incorrectly but I have to leave it anyway but but yeah so that just it that the plan was always get going get big enough that it can pay the mortgage and we are going to be okay and we can eat and all the rest of it Um, and so basically six about six years in um, Jason eventually joined so by that point yeah um, we had our little girl was eight months old. So um, I yeah went back and said to Jason, right, well, that's it. You need to, if we're going to do this, we need to do it. Otherwise, by the time that we get around to it, she's going to have already gone and you've yeah. missed this time at the beginning. And and so, uh, yeah, two weeks later, that was it. He'd handed his notice in and boom, it was there. Um, wow. So, yeah, and we've worked together now for six years because um, our business is 12 years old this year. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and we've still done, all the way through, we do 50-50 everything um you know so from childcare and being so uh, actually last year with the pandemic i know for a lot of people it was like kind of the massive steep learning curve of a working online and in a cloud-based environment and also going christ where do we keep kids snacks in the (laughs) house and stuff like that actually we didn't have either of those (laughs) are completely fine because we've been doing it for such a long time coverage you had coverage it was like yeah you just need to do it now so um yeah that's how that's how that sort of came about yeah and clearly not, you know, can look, tell by the smile on your face that not a decision you've ever regretted. No. Can't, you know. No. It's, I have to say, out of all of the team, probably Jason and I are, we come at things the most differently. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's quite a healthy way of thinking about things. And we have very set roles uh, within the business. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's it took a little while to kind of get settled. But... Um, yeah. So hints and tips on a wife and husband coming together to run a business or bring the other spouse into the business? Yeah, okay. I think, well, I think probably have a think about what you like and what you want to give yeah. away and also what skill sets you've got. Um, I think probably we try to not uh, talk shop yeah. all the time. 
um, I have a very sort of set time. We both try not to use technology too much in front of our little one. And I think that's meant being able to be in the moment. So if you're working with your partner, you're working with them. But if you're not as a family, you are being a family. And, you know, you're not head in one place, but body in another kind of thing. Um, And I think we try and have, you know, sort of, I suppose actually the biggest thing I'd say is choose your company, make your company like one of your own customers and give it the time. So you do that generally with marketing because obviously businesses need to kind of do market and and tell people what they're doing. But actually from a strategy point of view, from a kind of financial management point of view, all of that stuff can, I think, get sort of spread about a little bit. You need to focus on that. So we have a weekly meet where we sit down and go, how's everything going? How are you doing? How am I doing? Yeah. You know, where we run through the clients, but we also run through the health of our own business. Right. And I think if you don't do that very, very quickly, particularly if you're in a service business like ours, yeah. you could be way off where you want to be yeah, just, because you're just helping other people yeah. the entire time. I, I own the prize, but I love yeah. that bit about being present in the moment because, you know, regardless, every business owner, leader can suffer from that, can't you? That you've, you've you have a challenging day. Sometimes yeah. you have a good day, yeah. but you carry it with you, don't you? And yeah. Your mind is buzzing yeah. and you walk through that front door yeah. with the family and the kids and you need to be able to be present in that moment yeah. and not distracted. Yeah. But it's easier said than done. It's easier it? said than done and I think probably the hardest thing that stops that is mobile phones and smartphones yeah. Yeah. because you're on call all the time. You know, the world of PR and comms is quite... For lots of smaller business owners, it's a challenging subject, isn't it? And probably one that they stray away from, from time to time. You know, they're probably great at doing what they do, manufacturing project, product, distributing, logistics, you know, a bit of R&D or delivering their service and loving their customers. But sometimes the thing that stunts their growth is that marketing PR comms piece and yeah. not switching onto it. Yeah. This is going to be a really big question, I suppose, but <laughs> three to five top tips that a business owner needs to consider in terms of their PR comms marketing, Nikki? Um, think about your audience, yeah. who are you actually trying to sell to, and then spend some time actually profiling them and thinking what their pain points are. Yeah. Because I think we're all creatures of a habit and we can get to the stage where we're talking about what we're good at all the time. But actually, if you're not saying we're good at this, which means this for you and it solves this pain mm. point, you could be shouting the loudest message from the top of yeah. the rooftops and, and actually it just wouldn't resonate. And particularly now there's so much noise. Um, I think yeah. the businesses that are smarter about that, it, they might not have the coverage that you'd expect. I mean, kind of you know, generally across yeah. all those different channels and stuff. But actually the conversations that they have are much more meaningful. And I think that's probably what converts a sale. So you can yeah. have lots of leads, but actually the ones that will really, you know, sort of move along that journey yeah. a bit quicker will be those ones that are, yeah, actually a bit more, um, they're just a bit smarter yeah. because, you know, you've done your research and they you, they respect you because you've done your research and you understand the, yeah. Yeah, the challenges that they're facing. Um, so that's the first one. So profile your customer. The other thing I'd say is don't um, think that it has to be expensive and new all the time. Mm. It doesn't. You know, if you, if you, your business will evolve and it will change, but there will be some fundamentals that are probably absolutely their core values, core offerings and stuff like that. So if you spend uh, your budget on marketing those they will last longer. Mm. You know, you might be able to then only revamp a bit of them, but you'd still have stuff that will make, kind of still have an evergreen package, if you like, of marketing assets. Yeah. Um, so that particularly for smaller businesses, I think they think, oh my God. And also I think everybody thinks, oh my God, I have to do it all at once. You probably don't, you know. So if, if you map your customer journey of how they come across your brand, where they go and what information they want, you probably only need four or five really good things. Because you're going to get them to sort of do that journey. So you can point them in that direction or you can then, once they've emailed you, send out this asset, then do a phone call, then make sure that you've got a blog, you know, that you can follow up with a link with in the next email. That process can be much slicker and you can be much cleverer, I think, about how you manage that, what you say in it. If you've done the profiling the customer bit, 
and you've had a real think about where where they go, where they would visit, where they would get that information. Need at what point yeah. in their journey? Yeah. Okay. So really that's three. Any more? Yeah. Don't try and do marketing and PR. You don't necessarily have to do both. Yeah. Um, make sure you have. So an when should somebody do marketing? When should somebody do PR? They should be marketing all the time, but PR okay. is a is a different discipline. Um, so again, if you think about your audience for PR, you're talking about your customers, but you're talking about them reading or kind of seeing your your name in the news or in a feature or in a particular sort of publication or a podcast or whatever. Um, and so therefore you've got to have something newsworthy to yeah. say. <laughs> you, know, you can't just sell, sell, sell all the way through yeah. it. You know, you have to, it's a different um, different type of marketing, if you like, or different type of communications. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, marketing you have to have all the time. PR, you're much better off at thinking, okay, what's the story? What was the headline I want? And sometimes you might think, actually, there isn't one. Or yeah. I'd really love it to be this, in which case, work on it to make sure that it is that. You might actually be doing fewer campaigns, okay. but um, they would actually have a better story. Perfect. And what, what, that's an interesting, is work towards the headline. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We do that, in a, you know, if you do a media session with us, we do that kind of, what's the, what's the headline you'd want and actually, it's a really good one as well to think if you haven't got a crisis comm strategy in place, yeah. um, you know, so what's the headline you, you really wouldn't want? Okay, yeah. <laughs> if somebody found your information now, would they kind of, you know, sort of, yeah. would you be able to stop that happening? And sometimes that can be a really good exercise for people to okay. do. Food for thought. Listeners. Yeah, food for thought. <laughs> food for thought. What's the story you wouldn't want? That's going to keep a few listeners up at night. Um, <laughs> and where do you stand on, clearly you are an agency, so... I suppose a little tongue-in-cheek asking this question, but where do you stand on that in-house marketeer versus the use of an agency? Yeah, so again, really good question. Um, we have sort of three target customers as Padua Communications, and one okay. of them is marketing managers that work in-house. Um, so there's different sort of skill sets. So for them, they usually have... Um, a sort of a broader understanding of marketing. Yeah. Um, but marketing is such a huge umbrella term that you you wouldn't really necessarily, unless you find somebody who's been in the business for yonks and yonks and yonks, you know, somebody with all of the marketing skills yeah. that they would need. So I think it depends probably on how whereabouts you are in your business growth, whether it makes sense for you to have somebody who is a senior person who needs to set stuff up for you or whether you just need somebody to do some kind of admin assistance, if you yeah. like. The marketing stuff is already there. So sometimes, you know, you might be able to use an agency for marketing strategy. Yeah. So we might go in, for example, and, you know, be helicoptered in to come up with a, this is what you should do. Set but then the set the journey up, position. do some training yeah. with the team, you know, it might be junior stuff, and then actually do some mentoring alongside yeah. it. Um, or it might be that we're, you know, sort of on the other side, flip side, you've got somebody who is... Uh, senior or fairly senior in place but and they're fantastic at doing SEO and Google but they literally cannot write for Toffee or they don't have the time to write yeah. the right content in which case that's where we come in for so that, that as well approach maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so I, I think it depends on kind of how much money you want to spend on marketing generally yeah. and what sort of setup you have there's certain things you know I think if you've got um, in-house people doing social media and they're doing it well, actually that probably makes more sense than, you know, sort of outsourcing that to a marketing agency, for instance. Yeah. Um, whereas I think, you know, somebody saying, oh yeah, we want to get in this publication and getting a junior marketing person to try and come up with a story yeah. and all the rest, you know, you speak to an agency, we do it in half the time that you'd expect, it would be much better. We don't have to be in there all the time. That's, you know, we're this important. This the project. It's the yeah. project, yeah. Okay. So obviously there's a big trend now towards online, social, I mean, that world, you've explained it really well during the course of the conversation that has changed in your career within PR and yeah, comms. Yeah. So where do you see sort of the PR and comms and marketing side of things going in the next 10 years? What's your predictions? Well, it's a really interesting thing because I think they have changed. And one of the reasons I set Padua up was to be, you know, for me, they're just channels. You, once you've done the kind of, this is what we're saying, this is what we want to be known for, it's kind of, where do we put that information out? I think probably the biggest thing that will change over the next decade is AI and kind of, you know, yeah. sort of tools where they create the content. Here or here's your marketing content. And I have to say that 
I am I worried about it? I don't think I necessarily am because I think you still need the people understanding and that work up front mm. to get the story right and to think about the language and to really think about your brand values. Because otherwise, I think you'll have loads of companies all saying the same stuff. Yeah, blah, 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 We had the same thing, I have to say, about probably five, eight years ago where all of a sudden we had the likes of things like Hubs- HubSpot and yeah. Marketo where... It was kind of content marketing, but there was kind of that automated marketing side of things. And yeah. there are absolutely, you know, there's room for tools like that. But we were working with a client at the time and it was kind of like a, a massive eye opener because to get that to work really well, you actually need to put more content in and you have to think about your marketing. You have to actually really focus yeah. on it to get it right, to get it so that it's working in the way that it should. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, instead of thinking it was all going to be like doom and gloom and you know, we're going to lose it all. It was actually, we're doing more stuff because, yeah. you know, the marketing manager that we were working with on that particular project was like, I just, I need more story. I need yeah. more stories. I need more content Otherwise, to actually put that in. Otherwise, all is volume and yeah. creating noise and they're saying the same, the yeah. yeah, They're saying the same thing over and over and over. Whereas actually marketing now, okay, there is, you know, sort of space there for proper sales marketing, you know, yeah. brochures and stuff like that. But actually your content marketing generally is much more educational, thought-provoking. It's, you know, it's articles or it's polls or mm. it's kind of surveys but or roundtables and then, you know, sort of video content around this. It's very, very different in the kind of topics and the way that you're mm. talking around a subject. And the way that we plan content is very much like that anyway. Um, so I think that would still stay the same even if you were then thinking, oh, brilliant, I'm going to take those ideas yeah. <laughs> and get word or whatever it might be to kind of come up with that marketing copy i still think there'll there'll be an an element of specialism needed within it yeah um but yeah i think that's probably i think we can see it in all industries can't we and i I think i'm i'm with you i think particularly if you're working with you know owner managed entrepreneurial businesses they want relationship yeah and they want advice and they want to know the things they need to know to push their business forward and to enable them to grow and achieve success for them. Yeah. And the market, I think, will polarise in most industries to the stack it high, sell it cheap merchants, which will use technology, use AI, do it with volume, which will suit X, you know, a large proportion of the market and audience. Yeah. But I think there's always going to be this market for those that want the relationship and the advice. Yeah. And the bespoke service. I think, yeah, because particularly if you're a business owner... You know, it's, it's, I always say patio communication is like my first child, <laughs> you know, <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. and you have to, you know, a, a website and a business is like a child. You have to feed it. You have to kind of look after it. <laughs> Otherwise it just, you know, it would be Oliver Twist out there yeah. going and doing whatever, <laughs> pickpocketing, you know, so you, you have to kind of, um, yeah, look after it and feed it. And I think unless you are really, really thinking, God, I have no idea or, or I know somebody yeah. who's going to do this. You're still very cagey about um, letting go and yeah. what you let go. I mean, you asked that question earlier about, yeah. you know, when you hand it over, if you're getting an MD in and you're going to take that step away, you still have that then. It's such a big commitment as a business owner. You yeah. know, you, I don't think unless you run your own business, you have any understanding yeah. <laughs> of like what life is like as a business owner, what the pandemic has been like yeah. for business owners. I just think there is a... Until you're in it, you just you just yeah. don't you do, you don't know what you don't know, I suppose. Yeah. And I suppose that, that leads on to that question: I mean, how have you found the pandemic for the business, and you know how have you circumnavigated your way through the last eighteen months? Well, we've done some very long days. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've done fifty-fifty childcare, homeschooling, and and yeah. running the business. Um, we closed our office because Jason and I did have an office that we were based out of and moved our office to home. Yeah. Um, we're just now looking to see if we can venture out. Actually, he's quite happy, but I can't wait to get right. somewhere you else. You want that, that I separation. Yeah. I've, I mean, we've had an office since eight months in, so that I, okay. I thought it was really important to be able to do the, yeah. I'm going to you know, put work in this bucket and home life yeah. in this. Um, but yeah, we've, we've been busy all the way through. We've been lucky, very, yeah. very lucky. Um, we work with some you know, really lovely clients, lovely people. Yeah. that we've worked with for a very long time. Um, and we try to be as flexible as we can about what we do. So we had a few that um, came and said, can we half what we're doing and then review it in three months? And yeah. three months later, they came back going, can we yeah, go back to where we're... And also, can you do it from Monday? And yeah. <laughs> yes, not a problem. That's why. So it's been yeah fairly full on. 
Um, but yeah, we, I mean, we were lucky. We, every, we every, we've always been cloud-based, so that wasn't a massive learning curve. Yeah. Our team were already in place working remotely. Absolutely fine. So it wasn't that as a big thing anyway. Yeah. Um, and then actually for some clients, we've been talking to doing, you know, more online marketing and they were always the, actually, well, we want to do face-to-face events and... Yeah. And then obviously all the face-to-face events just stopped. Yeah, <laughs> I came back going, that online marketing you've yeah. mentioned, can you help? Yeah. Should we do a bit of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we'll do a little bit of, what is it you say, LinkedIn? Oh, yeah. So yeah, there's, yeah. you know, that was, it's just been, um, we've been lucky, but it's been hard. It's been yeah. very, very tiring. It's been relentless, hasn't it? It's been relentless, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm probably, yeah, I've aged <laughs> physically <laughs> probably a decade. No, I, I think... We've had to, I mean, we had a break at the beginning of the summer and it was needed. Right. We needed to just, yeah, recharge. So when you reflect on where you are and where you are on your journey and where the business is right now, you know, I suppose the question would be, what hard thing are you not doing enough of? What thing are you putting off? Uh, for me personally, yeah. uh, well, I'm trying, I'm trying for September if I can um, to take some time out because I've got another two projects that I want to work on and I, they've been on the back burner they were basically there and it was kind of looking like okay we'll see how we can make that happen and then the pandemic hit and obviously they okay. just got shelved benched as you say so I'm trying to get it so that I've just got yeah a bit more um time to focus on those okay one of them is personal project one of them is another business project um I think I've talked Jason round into saying, <laughs> yeah, do you want to do it with me? Um, and so that I'm trying to kind of, yeah, get some more time out okay. to do the kind of strategy side of things. I think probably that's the hardest thing. It's and the how are you creating that time? Because all of us as business owners like and dream of just creating a bit more time to think about new things, new yeah. ideas, or sometimes it's to get a bit more balance back in yeah. life. So how are you going about trying to create that time? So, really interesting. So I mentioned that we closed the office and we'd moved back. Mm. So Jason's in our study, I'm in one of our spare bedrooms, but set up as yeah. offices. And actually, for me, I, I really... I always thought I was pretty self-aware anyway, but the pandemic was like a, hello, here's the light on, <laughs> shining on what you do as, as a job. And there are certain jobs that I would always have done, even, you know, sort of, I wouldn't do them in the office. I would yeah. go somewhere where there was really shocking reception, nice tea, a nice yeah. cake, strategy, thinking, stuff like that. And of course, all the flipping hotels closed. And I was like, where am I going to do? So I ended up sort of doing a lot of that strategy time and thinking at sort of midnight with whale song on. Yeah. It seemed to zone out enough that I could do it. Um, so I then, but it's, it's made me realise I actually can't do that kind of... Um, that sort of thinking during the day in that work environment. Okay. I just can't, you no. know, I will always be pulled to yeah. go and do kind of the, okay, this client wants this or, uh, yeah. Here's my laptop. Here's Here my I laptop. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm just trying to find yeah, a creative space. I'm okay. waiting to hear, but I found one, I think, that is going to work from September, if they say yes, um, to go and do some stuff at, you know, sort of a couple of times yeah. in the week. And yeah, and then basically we've we've just had the conversation about your working week, September. You, you know when you do the planning and then you're yeah. like, okay, is the government going to put us into lockdown? Is everything yeah. going to go completely to part again? Um, but we've, as part of that, I've tried to switch my working hours. Um, so on a Thursday, I'm going to be doing a personal project on Thursday morning and then I'm going to start later and work later. Okay. And so I'm lucky. Diary management and yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah. And I, I think if you, I mean, I, somebody saw my calendar the other week and they were like, oh my God, it's so pretty. It's so colourful because I colour clothes all okay. our clients yeah. and work. And um, so, yeah, being able to see at a glance, a kind yeah. of, is everybody getting <laughs> everybody getting some of me yeah. all week? But as part of that, I think the thing that you always um, give less of is time to yourself, mm. actually. And I think, yeah, I was 50 earlier this year. And okay. I just think, actually, as a leveller, okay, I've done 12 years of working flat out yeah. and a pandemic and, yeah, and a child and yeah. everything else. <laughs> I just, yeah, I want to get on with these things and I need to do, make it happen. So Brilliant. Yeah. Good luck. Thank and you. Look, I'll keep you posted. Yeah, look yeah. forward to hearing more. Um, so I suppose we've, again, touched on it again during the course of that conversation around the pandemic a little bit, but not too much. But obviously 12 years of running your own business. You seem, you know, through this conversation again, you seem very resilient as an individual. 
how do you build your own resilience? Um, yeah, that's a really good question as well. So particularly with the pandemic, I mentioned about the, you know, sort of having been just being at home like we all were, we're really blessed where we live. You know, we're right on the edge of the new forest. Yeah. So um, I got into a routine of going out and walking and, and taking time out um, just to have a bit of a break, really, and, and, and to give myself time. I do Pilates a couple of times a week. Okay. Um, I try and do some workouts in the morning. I try and be fairly careful about what I eat. Sometimes I'm really good at it, sometimes shockingly bad. I drink far too much tea. I'd weaned myself off loads of caffeinated tea <laughs> until the flipping pandemic and then now <laughs> bring on the caffeine again. So I'm now just trying to kind of yeah, balance that. Um, but I think that's, I think I did a, in fact, I did a motivational map with Steve. Okay. Uh, your lovely. Steve Jones. Yeah, Steve yeah, Jones. Your lovely, one of our facilitators. One of your yeah. facilitators. And so, facilitators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did one of those. And actually, um, I thought it was really interesting because I am kind of a spirit person on there and I, I have to have sort of meaning for the things that I do yeah. and I think for and obviously every business owner is different but for me if I get to the stage where I don't have anything in the tank for me everything else basically okay. is affected so I think that's been a real learning and the and, you know from the pandemic is kind of the actual like cherry on top of yeah. actually that's a really important I need to be given enough time to think freely yeah or do that piece of self-care self-care yeah but it's not the cherry on the top is it it needs to nearly be it needs to be yeah, it's, it's everything it's yeah. all the ingredients all the ingredients because it's not just for padua but it's also for i think particularly for me the kind of creative thinking yeah. the strategy stuff that i do for clients as well so once i've kind of i'd realized that it was like oh yeah this is actually yeah i i don't feel bad about taking the time out yeah. because actually I can do it. I can do it for a long time, but I get to the stage where I end up presenting it a little bit and I'm yeah. tired, tired of ideas. Yeah. Um, so I need to, yeah, rejuvenate. Yeah, I always say, I know when the, the switch has gone too far into one extreme and I'm tired and that is because I get frantic. Yeah, that's And I can see it in my behaviour. I can see it in how I word emails. I can see it in yeah, where I communicate, you know. Yeah. Where I try and put too much in my diary. It's just like, I feel like I put the Superman pants on and become frantic. And yeah, yeah. At that point, it's like, oh, Munson, you've gone too far. <laughs> I have to Stop. say, that is really, really good thing about working with Jason because he is my break. So sometimes that's really annoying yeah. um, because he might take longer to do stuff. But actually, he is my break and he will say, you're doing too much. That's it. Yeah. Enough. And, and he's very, very supportive. Fantastic. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I think I could run a business on my own. I don't know if I'd want to run a business with anybody else, yeah. you know, apart from Jason, which actually I think is probably quite unusual because an awful lot of people go, oh my God, you what? You work with your husband? <laughs> yeah. Christ, I'd kill mine. I just, you know, actually, he's he's very, very beneficial to not just kind of our whole setup, but actually me making sure I take care of myself. Brilliant. And, but what's really interesting, isn't it? You've set the business up, you've got it, the ball rolling, Jason's joined, but you've done that with a purpose, haven't you? To get balance in your family life and yeah. to be mum and dad. Yeah. And than one of you being dominant and one yeah, of you yeah, being, yeah. And it's, we will that have must to... be a blessing and, and that must give you that focus to make it work. Yes. And I think... I think both of us have felt that for different reasons. Um, but I think also there were certain things that happened, particularly in my life, that that made me question that a lot earlier on than perhaps a lot of people do. Yeah. So I had a very dear friend of mine pass away three days before my 40th birthday. Right. And I think having something like that where you mm. think, whoa, hang on a second, life is yeah. short it's precious. It's a moment in time. It's a, yeah, it's the dash game, isn't it? People yeah. say about the you know, date of birth, date of death, but it's actually the dash story. Yeah. You know, what's your story and what do you want to be kind of have achieved in that time? Um, and I think for us, that as part of that whole setup um, was, yeah, that's part of that, of that sort of mission. It's part of the reason why we moved back down yeah. to here, to be near the coast and to be near the forest and to be near my family. And uh, we were further away from Jason's family, but his mother has moved to our town. So actually, we're all together, which has been a blessing in the pandemic as well. So yeah, I think having an, a kind of end game story of why you do something yeah, um, is really, really important. Really important. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. So as we draw the kind of conversation to a close, one final question as ever. You know, how do you define success, Nikki? I think 
I would define success in two ways. One is having the time to be able to achieve the things you want to do, spend the time with the people you want to. Um, and I also think it's from a financial point of view, um, the financial stability to enable you to take the opportunities that you want to to have. So whether it's holidays or whether it's just, again, more time with the people yeah. that you love. Um, so I think it's those two things. I think it's opportunities, but for me personally, it's time. You know, yeah. I'm leaving here and I'm. that's my mum's 73rd birthday tomorrow and I'm meeting my mum and dad for tea and cake this afternoon. So yeah. and the fact, tea. And t- more tea, <laughs> more caffeinated tea. I think, um, you know, the fact that I can do that in my working week is yeah. an absolute, you know, sort of, that's, that's success for me. Brilliant, fantastic. I've loved our conversation, Mickey. If people want to learn more about you, more about Padua Communications, where can they go? They can go to paduacommunications.com or find me on LinkedIn. Find me anywhere. I'm basically around everywhere. Um, yeah, or give us a ring on 0203 282 Perfect. Thank you, Nikki. You've been a great guest. Thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely. One of the things I enjoyed most about that conversation was the role that serendipity played in directing Nikki's professional and personal journey. Her can-do attitude, adaptability and ability to recognise when she was just in the right place at the right time are often characteristics in those who decide sooner or later to set up on their own. And therefore think back to your own journey. What were the things that fell into place to get you into the point where you are now? How has your intuition developed over the years so that you continue to recognise those opportunities? And does that same enhanced intuition inform you when it's time to step back and take a break? Thank you for listening. And if you do want to learn more about Evolve, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. You can register there for our weekly insights and newsletter, as well as learn about the services that we offer at Evolve, including our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, courses for teams, as well as our lovely co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul. And if you are a business leader in Dorset and Hampshire, then I'm really excited to be able to say that through the Dorset LEP and the Solon LEP, we have some fully funded peer network and peer group programs that we can offer to you. So if you want to learn more, again, go to the website or please call the team. I really do hope you've enjoyed this episode and if so, please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing and listening to future episodes. Thank you for listening.